It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Pumped hydro. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show, recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au and your podcasting app. You can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. My name is Kay Winnigal and I'm joined today by Michael Steindl. G'day Kay. Today we're talking about energy efficiency opportunities with Alan Pears. Energy efficiency is recognised as one of the lowest cost options in reducing emissions. Climate mitigation scenarios with higher levels of energy efficiency show lower total costs. In an analysis of the costs of climate mitigation, Fraunhofer Institute for Systems and Innovations Research demonstrated that a scenario with a significant energy efficiency adoption was at least 2.5 trillion US dollars less costly by 2030 than other more energy-intensive mitigation scenarios. This sets the stage for greater prominence of energy efficiency in the policy mix as governments work together to achieve their contributions to the Paris Agreement. We're discussing this today with Alan Pearce, who's a senior industry fellow at RMIT University. He's one of Australia's most awarded energy efficiency specialists. On top of his Order of Australia and WME Magazine Carbon Leader Award, He's just received the Australian Association for Saving Energy's inaugural Energy Efficiency Award. Alan, when we talk about energy efficiency, what does that actually include? Uh, Well, I think what it doesn't include is wearing a hair shirt and freezing in the dark. Um, (laughs) You know, energy efficiency really is about getting more value out of the energy we use. um, And effectively, you do that by either... Um, technically improving the efficiency of the way you do things or you can also do it by gaining more financial reward for the same amount of energy and um, we're now moving towards a language that's called energy productivity to try to reflect the fact that um, we're just really trying to get more value out of each unit of energy uh, in our economy and that's Uh, a really sensible thing to do, just as governments try to improve the productivity of labour or the productivity of capital. um, You know, we need to do that with energy. The the productivity of energy. So on that, Alan, the IEA, that's the International Energy Agency, in a paper with the um, uh, rather cumbersome title of the Energy Efficiency Transition Policies and Perspectives, shows that with 49% energy efficiency savings... That's nearly half of the total emissions reductions. Peak emissions can be achieved by 2020 without harming economic growth. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, well, exactly. And I think, you know, one reason why I've you know spent 40 years now on energy efficiency is because, to me, it's, it's the perfect uh, option because it makes people's lives better with more comfortable homes and so on. It cuts our living costs because it 
doesn't just cut our energy costs, but often we can reduce the capital cost of a lot of other equipment around uh, the way we use energy. Um, and, and so it is a logical thing to do. And at the same time, um, as you say, in the context of, of climate policy, um, energy efficiency up until about 2030 timing um, is the big contributor to cutting emissions. Um, and we need to keep in mind that if we are twice as efficient, we only need half as much rooftop solar. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where the interplay comes. Yeah, and extremely important point, even just on that solar one, um, I saw a paper just in the last few weeks that said we've only really just covered our costs of production of all the solar panels mm. for them to start to become net positive mm. in, in contribution. So how do we improve this narrative and, and the evidence base for energy efficiency? And uh, even mm. just before the show, you were talking about the term energy productivity and, and mm. just the mm. psychological significance that that has. Can you tell mm. us about it? Yeah, well, I think there's, a, there's an amazing blank spot in the brains of most Australian uh, policymakers on climate and energy. Um, they all talk about renewable energy and the arguments between fossil fuels and renewables, and they very rarely mention improving the efficiency with which we use energy. And uh, uh, we've been struggling with this for a long time, um, but it's getting to a point where we really have to change the narrative. And that's where the idea of talking more about energy productivity, um, which is about more value from each unit of energy, uh, we hope may have more appeal to policymakers um, because it helps to shift us away from this kind of freezing in the dark kind of conception of, of saving energy. Um, Which is a favourite meme in the cartoons and stuff <coughs> when you're trying to criticise yeah, green exactly. efforts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. To let's have better lives by using less energy. And I keep pointing to people that, you know, the modern mobile phone or the laptop computer um, or even, uh, you know, the electric car, all of these things are critically dependent on extreme energy efficiency. You know, if I, if I wanted a laptop that wasn't efficient, it would be big, heavy, and have a short battery life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it would not be what I want. And I think this is the thing that we, we need to grasp, is that by adopting energy efficiency in smart ways, we create more potential. And energy efficiency is linked with resource efficiency and many other benefits as well, so that you know, for example, um, the best televisions, even quite large televisions, are now using, you know, a third as much energy as the old CRT TV you had, mm -hmm. or maybe even, um, you know, a quarter as much energy as the plasma TV that's not that old that's sitting in your lounge room. Mm. Uh, and, of course, LED lights, again, are a fantastic example where... Uh, our ongoing efforts to improve them means that LED lighting is just transforming our living costs. Uh, it means that if you've got high ceilings, you don't have to get up on a ladder so often because mm. they have such long lives. Um, these are all the kinds of benefits to push. So the evidence is there, the benefits are mm. there. <clears throat> How do we get that mm. message out better than we have been so mm. far? 
Well, you know, after 40 years of trying, I'm still not sure. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is the problem. It's, it's, I, I think there is in Australia a deep cultural focus on more supply of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very difficult to reframe things to, for people to say, I want more value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even to the context of, you know, the objective of government is let's grow the economy not let's have an economy that delivers a better life <laughs> for everyone. Um, so I, I think there, there are deep challenges. Uh, at the same time, I think that the evidence is there. You know, the average Australian household uh, might complain about its electricity bill, but it would be three or $400 a year higher if we hadn't had appliance energy labels and mm. mandatory standards. Now, the challenge that we have is... Instead of saying, gee, that's great, thanks, I'll take it, it's to say, oh, but you mean the most efficient fridges available in other parts of the world are much more efficient than the best ones I can buy? Mm. I want them. I mean, we have to create this demand to chase more benefits. And, you know, this is where I I think a lot of entrenched uh, views within business uh, within government, within policymakers and householders, um, are going to have to be challenged. And uh, I, I think we're seeing some beginnings of this, um, but it does come down to the, to the fundamental problem of um, there are a lot of powerful organisations and networks of people who find it quite convenient to keep doing things the way we've been doing them and so energy efficiency, when it comes down to, you know, whether it's moving towards lightweight pre-manufactured housing with, with cross-laminated mm. timber instead of a concrete slab brick house. Um, Which our current building industry would um, resist intensely. Well, well, it has. It's done mm. it very well. Everyone mm. else has moved that way. Mm. It's just we're not. Mm. Um, you know, so even when you look at vehicle fuel efficiency standards in Australia, governments have rejected them for decades because the Australian car industry built cars into the niche of large fuel-guzzling vehicles. Mm. But now that's no longer... And so maybe there is room for change. And, and that's the point. We, we are seeing room for change because I think governments themselves are now starting to realise that if you are going to have a, an effective climate policy, if you are going to have a reliable and reasonably priced electricity and gas system, you have to do efficiency. Mm. And I think that's where, the na- at the national level, the National Energy Productivity Plan has been launched. Um, it has many good measures in it uh, and some, some great people working behind it. It's just that its budget is like $18 million. Mm. That, that buys you a lot in a multi-billion dollar uh, energy market, doesn't it? Mm. Um, $18 million, and it doesn't have strong leadership from the top. So when was this launched? This was launched in December last year. Um, and Sorry, oh, December the year before, mm. sorry, 2015. 2015. Um, and it's chugging along, but it's very weak, but the, the structure's there. At the same time, what we're now seeing at the state level is this kind of competitive democracy thing starting to move where the Australian Capital Territory have blown everyone away, not just with their renewable energy program, which is really 
great, uh, but also they are doing lots of stuff on energy efficiency in smart ways. And so the New South Wales government uh, just a couple of months ago launched its um, energy and money-saving plan. Nice language. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And they've put $200 million on the table um, to deliver that. Um, And uh, the Victorian government is working on a similar kind of program. And I think they were about to release it. And then when the New South Wales uh, release came out, it's like, oh, we can't release that because it's nothing like as strong as theirs. <laughs> so I think this is, as I said, this sort of competitive democracy thing, we might have actually started it. And, you know, just in the same way as a few years ago, all of the, all of the state governments competed to produce more generous rooftop solar mm-hmm. yeah. rebates uh, or feed-in tariffs. Maybe this is the beginning of, of, the, of the competition to drive energy efficiency. The the federal government must be tearing their hair out thinking that this is happening. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think the Energy and Environment Minister is actually quite keen on energy efficiency and productivity because, to be blunt, it's one of the few things that voters like Mm. that he can talk about. (laughs) (laughs) So, Alan, what are the key data requirements to support energy efficiency performance? Mm. Yes, well, um, first of all, we need to know, you know, how much energy we're using and what we're using it for. We also need to understand what, how much energy we actually need. Um, and then when we understand how much we're wasting, we're in a position to start saying, oh, gee, that's dumb of me, isn't it? I should do something. And, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of work in every sector um, in this area. And, for example, you go into, say, a brewery where they're using enormous amounts of energy pasteurising beer, say. And then you show them the energy flows and things like that and say, so actually, if you were perfectly efficient, you would not use any energy to pasteurise beer. So why are you using all this? And you then begin a dialogue about what's possible. But if there's money saving, surely industry would be interested in it. No. Uh, again, there's this, this myth that's perpetrated by economists that humans are rational. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I, 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 my view is that humans are rational in a bounded way. Mm. And so if you're a businessman and you don't understand technology... You think about business solutions, you know, it's, it's the classic thing. If you've got a hammer in your hand, every solution needs a nail, you know. Um, and I think our, our really big problem is that um, very few people in policy understand the energy waste. And, I mean, I, I'll go back in the 80s. I did a lot of the early work on appliance energy labelling. And um, we proposed that the star rating label should go up to a 50% saving. Now, the, the considered opinion of all of the refrigeration industry engineers was that you could not make a refrigerator more than 15% more efficient. Mm. Now, I engaged a retrenched refrigeration expert from the industry who I then showed all the stuff we were doing, including computer modelling and all of this stuff. And he wrote a paper showing how each company could achieve 50% savings. Mm. And this was revolutionary. 
Well, I hate to say it, we have to do the same thing now. Um, and that's where one of the projects I'm working on at the moment with a not-for-profit called the Australian Alliance for Energy Productivity is looking at what might be the big actions that we can take that will really double our energy productivity or, you know, halve our energy consumption per unit of, of um, economic activity by 2030. And there are lots of really exciting things there. Mm-hmm. And that is making me very optimistic about what's possible. But we keep coming back to the problem that uh, if someone's got an existing factory, it in the short term it's much more profitable for them to keep cranking out the same old stuff with the same old technology mm. than to than to restructure everything. Yeah. And these are these are deep barriers in Australia. For those of you, of you who have just joined us. You're listening to the Beyond Zero Emissions show and we're talking about the importance of energy efficiency measures and savings with Alan Piers. So, Alan, continuing on that theme, how do we analyse the potentials, the impacts and, and the options? Well, there are lots of ways and I think one of the really exciting things in the household area, uh, at least in Victoria, is the fact that we've now got these sort of slightly dumb smart meters in all homes. And so we can now gain access to a much better understanding of our own energy use. And at the same time, as more people are installing rooftop solar and thinking about storage, more and more people want to know, how do I get the best value out of my rooftop solar? Uh, How do I, how much storage do I really need? I mean, there's a lot more people now engaging and we have mechanisms to get access to that information. Of course, just on that one of, of solar and the best value, mm-hmm. there's um, two things that are at, sometimes at conflict with each other. People might see the best value as uh, the lowest energy consumption. Um, they might also see it, and, and more commonly do, is the lowest cost to them. So if they're just shifting energy around and, and still using um as much fossil fuel energy but just managing to shift it to a different time or something oh i i agree and again though this is where i think an integrated approach that will include some storage mm-hmm. um is going to make lots of sense for lots of people because i mean first of all we we can uh we can target the activities that contribute most to peak demand to yep. limit peak demand so we know you know, in winter, evening lights and inefficient televisions and heaters and things like that are all big issues. Mm. Likewise, on a summer afternoon or early evening, again, we know there's lots of televisions, there's fridges, there's uh, lights coming on, cooking, air conditioning. So, so we know what things we can target so that we can get the best value out of our investments in energy efficiency. And it so happens they also reduce our need for uh, expensive power, and also they reduce the stress on the electricity supply system. They reduce the size of the battery that we would need to get us through those expensive time periods. And I think storage will help us um, with this issue of, of cheap Actually power versus e- expensive power because 
once you've got some storage, you'll be able to store power when it's cheap or when your solar system's going gangbusters to use to get you through the times when they want to charge you really big amounts of money. So I think there's a there's an increasing uh, model of of smart packaging that, mm-hmm. that's coming through. That's a good point, though, that you make about if you have battery storage, you want appliances that don't use too much of that battery. So mm-hmm. you are much more focused on their mm-hmm. energy consumption than yeah. perhaps you are nowadays. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, I've got a pretty efficient home. And so I'm moving towards installing storage but i'll need a much smaller battery mm. than most most people would mm. to get really good value how how alan do we design new policies you've already mentioned that lovely meme mm. of competitive democracies mm. where act mm. new south wales and victoria are in some sense competing mm. for the best policy but mm. what other um mm. approaches are there to designing or should there be to designing new policies yeah well look a lot of Australian policy is, is very crude. I mean, it's almost like the market mechanism or regulation. And the reality is there's, there's many other options um, for us and you often want to have combinations. And I think what we have to do is have a smarter package. So, for example, uh, in the case of buildings, um, we've got the star rating and we've got supposedly mandated six-star minimum, although no one seems to enforce it. Um, So there's a range of things there. Let's say, first of all, you should enforce the regulations you've got. The second thing is you should inform people that an eight- or nine-star house is a lot better house than a six-star one because even though six-star sounds fantastic, that would be illegal in most parts of the developed world, Uh, you know, which says something about... (laughs) relativities. Um, But also you need to do things like we have, for example, first home buyer incentives, which just give people a lump of money. If that lump of money was linked to the efficiency rating of the building and only focused on smaller houses, we would have a much more efficiently targeted scheme just adapting the existing policy. So I think there's a whole lot of stuff like that that can be done. But we, um, but that will require a lot of political will and a lot more investment in understanding what's going on and driving it in um, in effective ways. Sort of actually letting policy be driven by feedback on: Are we delivering what we hope to? If we're not, we must go harder. <laughs> mm. And I suppose um, the the real problem that you've pointed out is that not even the Democrats are interested in Mm. energy efficiency, Mm. let alone the Mm. um, federal Mm. government. Yeah, well, again, I I think what's interesting to me is that when when you prompt people in politics uh, or energy policy about energy efficiency, they're very happy to agree that it's really important. It's just that it is not top of mind. They just never... Get to it, and, and you mentioned there, that even in the um, preliminary report that Alan Finkel brought out, energy efficiency wasn't targeted it, at all. Yeah, exactly. The Finkel review is going to be incredibly important for fr- reframing of our energy market. Yet the preliminary paper, while it mentions energy efficiency ten times, because I've counted them, <laughs> um, all of those references are just in passing. 
they are not talking about how energy efficiency will be integrated mm. into our energy market so models. Not, not 50% of the emphasis where they should be. No, no, it's like 5%. Yeah. You, we've already touched on briefly the, um, the NEPP, the National Energy Productivity Plan. Um, can you fill us in a bit more about what the chief outcomes of that are? Okay, well, there's 34 measures. Okay. <laughs> in two, in two <laughs> minutes or less. <laughs> Are they all cheap, though? <laughs> well, well this, is, this is the challenge. Um, look, yeah, you, there's a work plan with 34 measures. Uh, all of them are pretty good. They're well thought out. But they will require political will and substantial allocation of money and resources to make them happen. Um, there is very little momentum you know, the review has to be done by 2020. Okay, well, that's terrific, Alan. Thanks so much for your time today. And can you tell us a little bit about where listeners can find out more about And your ebook? Yeah, yeah, sure. And your e-book. Well, I'm, I, um, I write a regular column for Renew magazine that's published by the Alternative Technology Association. And bits of that are often reprinted in Renew Economy website or the Fifth Estate website. Um, also, late last year, we did release uh, an ebook of my columns from Renew Magazine um, from back to 1997, mm-hmm. um, and also that includes eight um, overview articles um, to um, that sort of talk about the themes and the issues that the Excellent. columns cover. And it's all searchable, and I think it's five bucks to buy on the Alternative Technology Association Fantastic. website, so Fantastic. it's not exactly the most expensive yeah. book you'll buy. <laughs> Thanks again for your time, yeah. Alan. And thank you for me too, Alan. Um, but sorry, we haven't got more time. Um, regular listeners will know that I'm passionate about the need um, to declare a climate emergency, to recognise that we're actually in an emergency situation and to act accordingly. In conjunction with that, there is a a wonderful um, climate campaigner called Steve Possel, who actually kayaked to Paris um, and has kayaked from Brisbane to Adelaide, doing talks all the way down. He's now kayaking from Balna. He left on January 1 to arrive at Parliament on February the 25th. So he's um, a third of the way down. Um, Go to kayak for... Earth, that's K-A-Y-A-K, the digit for Earth, and we're trying to get 100,000 signatures. We've hit 10,000, um, and you can you can contribute by signing, and you can contribute even more by um, social media and promulgating this. Thank you. And also, just um, put in your diaries a sustainability festival. The big weekend is on February 10th, 11th, and 12th in Melbourne, and BZE's got a store there, so come and see us if you can. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the climate solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. If you want to listen to the show or any of the others we've done, go to www.bze.org.au and click on podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Energy efficiency. Demand response. Design for climate and design for comfort. Payback for the customer. Insulation on your roof. The peak loads. Energy out of an ocean wave. 20, 30 megawatts. Embodied energy of construction. Thermal output. Great way to get waste out of the system. Think brain batteries. Do the underlying science justice. Clever systems for how vehicles are charged. 
solar window in a can. Multi-junction solar cell. Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.